You're listening to the Child Life Cooperative Podcast, a place where child life professionals share their real and honest stories with host and certified child life specialist, Allie Jones. You've been walking alongside a patient and their family for two years now. They've become a regular part of your world. There are inside jokes and even nicknames. So when they begin to express interest in getting to know you, your weekend plans, and your family members, how do you respond? How much can you say? During this week's episode, Drawing the Boundary, Certified Child Life Specialist Aileen Maxwell will share her convictions about setting boundaries with patients, families, and even coworkers as a way to maintain professionalism. Now, here's this week's Honest Story. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Child Life Cooperative Podcast. I am here with Child Life Aileen. Yes. Hello, Child Life Allie. Hello. We <laughs> always call each other Child Life Allie or Child Life Aileen. So fun to have you on the podcast today. Yes. Thanks for having me. Yes. And Yay. I'm really excited. <laughs> Just before we even started recording, we started talking a little bit about our topic today. But I'm really looking forward to chatting with you a little bit about boundaries. Yes. Something that I think you and I both are pretty passionate about. Yes, definitely. So Mm -hmm. jumping right into it, why don't you tell us a little bit about where you work now, what kind of area you service? Yes. So I work at a proton center that is a little bit different than quote unquote typical uh, radiation. So it's very specialized. Um, It treats mass tumors anywhere in the body so we don't do blood cancers but we'll do um, you know a lot of brain spine it's really good for pediatric cancers in general um, because the body is still growing so if it can avoid those critical structures um, then that's really good for you know those pediatric cancers and cancers that are near the brain or spinal cord or just vital organs So what kind of relationships do you form with families? Like they come for kind of short amount of time. I guess it can be a long amount of time, but can you tell a little bit about the relationships that you build, the services that you provide as a child life specialist? Yes. So our families come every day for typically four to six weeks. We have had kiddos that are only there for about five days, but it can be up to about 33 treatments um, Monday through Friday, typically same time every day. Um, they come initially for a CT simulation. So that's when we kind of make all of their custom immobilization devices. So they may have um, some of those masks that you see. Um, You may have seen one before. We have specialized body cradles. Um, Our patients will get tattoos, which are small permanent marks that just help us align, especially for, you know, spinal cord tumors, um, just so we have those markers on the body. So that CT simulation is a huge education and support piece for me, and then I see them and support them about two weeks later for the rest of their treatment. Mm, So you're really in the thick of it with these families when they're receiving therapy. Yes. That's amazing. Mm Mm-hmm. Kind of backing up, before you even became a child life specialist, I know mm-hmm. you and I were talking a few weeks ago about your experience being a patient yourself. Would you mind talking a little bit about that? And then we can kind of go into how that's shaped you as a child life specialist as well. Yes. So um, 
kind of hospital life, quote unquote, has been a part of my earlier life. Um, I was born with pulmonic stenosis. Um, so that's kind of a fancy way of saying that one of the valves to my heart was closing. So at a very young age, I had a procedure called a balloon valvioplasty, um, where they kind of went in and just inflated that valve. Um, I was also, I always say I have a different voice, um, but I was born with a submucous cleft palate. So that's just kind of another fancy way of saying there was a hole in my palate. Um, so I've had a few surgeries to correct both of those, as well as some other minor surgeries along the way. Um, and so, I mean, a lot of it was elementary school. So I remember I remember a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of sitting there. I know there were some music classes I went to, um, but that's, you know, about the extent of it, besides picking out Rugrats movies in my room, <laughs> Mary-Kate and Ashley. Uh-huh, all the best. That's so awesome. <laughs> yes. So you, were, you had uh, opportunities <clears throat> to really be a, a typical child in a lot of ways, yes. but... Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever have a child life specialist? I'm curious. Not that I'm aware of. The only mm-hmm. thing I do remember is going to the playroom and they had like, a, I don't know if they were volunteers at the time or what they were, but we played with these like silk scarves and danced Ooh. with them, little music and tambourines. That's fun. And, but that's crazy that that's one of my most vivid memories of oh, my hospital experience is mm-hmm. sitting in that playroom playing with music and the scarves. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's a great memory to yes. leave with. <laughs> I know you and I've talked in the past mm-hmm. about um, how how do you identify with patients when you've, you know, again, not necessarily been going through radiation or, or proton treatment, but mm-hmm. going through surgery or having mm-hmm. those challenging things. I know you've mentioned that that is something that you choose not to disclose, mm-hmm. or even when you're applying to mm-hmm. um, child life internships or practicums, that was something that you chose not to disclose, correct? Yes. Um, can you tell me a little bit about why that was? Yes. So I, I just don't. Um, I think I've worked really hard to not let you know, my voice. In the past, people have always commented, oh, your voice is different, oh, your voice is low. Um, And it it used to really hit me hard. And I've worked really hard to not let that voice define me. And not, I mean, if people ask, I'm more than willing to share, but I don't want that to be me. I want the patients and families I work with. I want my boss and coworkers and other staff to not define me by that. I want my skill set and my education and my personality to be what people know me for. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think if I were to disclose that information, especially to my patients and families, that's not, it's not about me. It's never been about me and what Mm -hmm. I've been through. In some inadvertent way that may have set me up for this career and really got me interested in the medical field, but that's kind of where I draw the line. I really, I mean, I think that is such an amazing maturity of you and just a lot of wisdom to recognize, like, this isn't about me. Like, who? Mm -hmm. really asking yourself whose needs are being met here. Mm -hmm. Like, am I sharing this story of, like, oh, I've had surgery, too. I get it. Right. Like, is this to make myself feel better or, like, feeling like filling a gap of some kind or is this really what the patient needs and a lot of that is if we're thinking about the patient it's trying to let them share their voice exactly having ours Mm -hmm. have their own experience 
you know, even if I was the same age as someone in there and I got induced for anesthesia the same way, that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's never the same. Right. Mm-hmm. That is very true. Yes. <laughs> How do you respond then now um, being a child life specialist and seeing different students that come through that may share on their essay applications or in their interviews, like, oh, you know, this is my medical experience. Like, does that turn you off usually or do you, how do you respond? That's a great question. I don't think it necessarily turns me off. I think as long as they are a strong candidate in you know, every aspect, and maybe that's just how they got interested in it, mm-hmm. um, or maybe they share a short story, then you know, if they're strong and we do do an in-person interview, um, I kind of see how they play it there Mm -hmm. um, to see how much, you know, is that the main focus of their interview or are they speaking more about X, Y, Z experiences they had Mm -hmm. with a patient or family? Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of see how they how they turn that and how they twist it. But I wouldn't mm-hmm. say if I see that, I write them off immediately. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. With this idea of us talking about boundaries, that's not necessarily like a hard and fast black and white boundary. Right. Like you're more open to right. it. Right. And it's hard. I mean, hard and fast black and white boundaries are few and far between, mm-hmm. I think. But, you right. you know, you do need them. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, what does a boundary mean to you and how do you mm-hmm. go about setting one? I think a boundary to me means a limit that you yourself have set. Um, Going back to not being black and white, I think there is a a gray line with those boundaries you or limits you set for yourself, but it can be with family, friends, coworkers, patients. Um, And I think it's really important because it keeps a balance. First of all, it keeps a work-life balance. Um, I'm one of those people, you can ask my family and friends, I don't talk about work outside of work Mm -hmm. and that's just my way of keeping those boundaries Mm -hmm. um you know I don't know if the statistics have been updated since the last time I checked but the last time I checked the burnout rate I know you interviewed Trina about burnout a while back um seven years I don't want that to be me I'm I love this career um this is the career that's for me and so I think it's really important to keep those boundaries and you know, not follow families on social media or not be Facebook friends. Um, I think boundaries also keep confidentiality, obviously. I mean, besides HIPAA, just respecting people's journey mm-hmm. and respecting what they're going through and not, not you know, getting too into that or sharing too much of that with other people. I think mm-hmm. it's all about creating a safe space for yes. them mm-hmm. and, like, a, a respect for them and an emphasis on, like, you are here as mm-hmm. not their best friend, not mm-hmm. as their mom, not as, like, their wise confidant, but, like, as the child life specialist professional. Right. Um, so that's really neat of a way that you protect that boundary and the way that you mm-hmm. see the importance of having mm-hmm. boundaries so that you can maintain that for the families too. Yes. That's really awesome. Thank you. <laughs> um, kind of going to the, the mm-hmm. essence of this child life podcast of storytelling. Yes. Um, can you share about a specific story, whether that's you as a student, mm-hmm. maybe you working with students or um, even nurses or parents, like any stories that come to your mind? Yes. Um, so kind of going back to talking about our past medical histories. Mm -hmm. At the hospital I used to work at, not my current role, um, I had a student and she herself had a chronic illness, gone through extensive medical treatment. Um, She was my first 
true student mm. on my own. Um, and we were in a room and the patient had the same um, kind of history or same diagnosis that she herself had. And she was, first of all, only in an observer role. And she jumped into the conversation and started talking about her own past medical history. And I kind of let it go for a few seconds and then steered the conversation in a different direction. But that was my first true tough conversation about boundaries and, you know, I know you have this past medical history and that's a huge part of who you are, but this patient's experience is different than yours and we need to let that patient have that experience. Um, so I think that was a that was a learning experience for both of us because I think it is tough to have those conversations, especially when, you know, I want to be sensitive to this student and respect what they've been through and their journey. Um, but also, you know, in this field, it, it can't be about us. And we need to have those boundaries with our patients and our families. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely learning experience for both of us. Yeah. I'm sure. How did she mm-hmm. respond? She was receptive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think actually a couple of weeks after that, there was a time in a room when she started talking about herself and I just glanced over and she stopped mm-hmm. mid-sentence. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I've had this conversation many times since then. To me, and this is just my opinion, but I think that's almost better than just keep talking about it and digging yourself even deeper and deeper. I mean, if you can stop and just steer the conversation in a different direction, that patient family may not even remember that you started talking about that. Mm -hmm. So if you can just kind of recognize it, I thought it was awesome that she, you know, it clicked. Yes, And she steered it in a different direction, Mm -hmm. so. Right. Mm -hmm. For you personally, um, you kind of hit on this earlier, like the fine Mm -hmm. line of you know, sharing about yourself, but like being careful mm-hmm. on what you do share. Yes. Um, I know for me, when I became pregnant, that was like a whole mm-hmm. new level of like families being like, so how are you feeling? Like, mm-hmm. how, how are you preparing for baby? You know, asking all of these more personal questions for you when people start to like, maybe ask you like, so what are you doing this weekend or things mm-hmm. like that? Like, you don't want to be a robot. Like I cannot disclose, I cannot confirm mm-hmm. nor deny if I'm going to this concert or, mm-hmm. you know, any of those things. Right. How do you kind of determine when you're talking too much about yourself? Like, and how do you go about then steering the conversation? That's a great question. Um, because I do, you know, I see these families every day. They care. They care about you almost just as much as you care about them. Um, And sometimes I think they welcome that distracting conversation and want to hear about other people's lives. Um, So usually it's very brief. You know, I might mention something about, oh, you know, just a relaxing weekend or, oh, spending time with the family, oh, going out with the girlfriends. What are you guys up to this weekend? Or do you have any plans this weekend? Or just anything maybe it's even maybe we're getting a patient set up in the room so then maybe I'll redirect my attention to the patient that's getting set up Mm -hmm. um you know because like you said you don't want to be a robot and we are human Mm -hmm. and we do have lives and it's it's great that our patients and families care about our lives Mm -hmm. um but it is that also boundary you know they don't need to know my friends names and who I hung out with and you know x y and z a b and c what I did right Mm -hmm. absolutely 
Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Do you remember moments as a patient where you've, like, you would want to know more about your staff or, like, um, be friends with your staff or, you know, certain things like that, like the, the people that are caring for you? Did you ever... Do you ever remember any moments like that? Yes, I definitely think so. Um, Actually, I think one of my more recent memories, uh, I had double jaw surgery when I was 20. Another, another, you know, little tidbit. Um, Mm -hmm. But I would see my oral surgeon, I mean, multiple times a week or month or whatever it was. And I just wanted to know so much about him, you know? I just actually, I cared about him as a person. And it was, again, that fine line, like, oh, okay, I know I can't ask you that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sorry, thank you. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) Like, I know you have a daughter, okay? That's enough. Right, totally. I love that, though, like, that even you as a patient can see, like, there's sometimes, like, yeah, like, this idea of, like, being a human, not just being, mm-hmm. like, a superior caretaker person, mm-hmm. but, like, being someone that you can connect with in more of a personal way yes. can create a lot of safety in that way, too. Safety, I think trust can come from that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like you were saying, if we just gave robot answers all day, every day, that parents may be, like, and even kids, too, like, oh... Okay, well, that's awkward. Right. I don't know how to talk to you. Right, totally. <laughs> what about now um, boundaries with staff, like the way that you relate? Like this idea that they're not necessarily your BFFs that you disclose every single mm-hmm. secret to, but they may become like good working friends yes. with your nurses and therapists and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, any stories from working with professionals in the field? Yes. Um, I think at the Proton Center, we're definitely in a unique position in that it's the same employees Mm -hmm. all day, every day. You know, if you work in a large hospital, you may not see that employee for a week because they work 312s and, you know, you just don't see them. They may work weekends. We're open Monday through Friday, same staff all day, every day. So we do get super close. Um, And there are times um, you know, some, some of these staff are my friends. Um, so there are times where I'll be at work and, you know, I'll have to kind of stop myself and say, okay, I'm at work. Now is not the time to talk about the weekend or joke around in the hallway or, you know, to be respectful of the patients. Um, cause it's not a big, it's not a big area either. Mm-hmm. So there's constantly patients everywhere and you have to be mindful of that and the volume you're speaking at and what you're talking about. Um, even if, even if we're debriefing on a patient, um, just because it is such close quarters and there's constantly patients mm-hmm. walking in and out. So just to be aware, there's so much awareness for the boundaries and just respect. Mm-hmm. And kind of maintaining still that professionalism, even if you're venting about the patient. But to yes, create like, new um, coping and intervention plans. Yes, exactly. <laughs> very, very true. Um, have you ever received any pushback when you try to set boundaries? Um, I think so. I think that's part of um, daily life, no matter how good of a relationship or how close you are with staff. I think one of the things that's hard for me is I am the only child life specialist at the Proton Center. I have no volunteers. So there are instances where staff will ask me, you know, the doctor wants to have a conversation with just mom and there are no other family members there to support the child. 
And I'm asked to kind of hang out, quote unquote, with the child mm-hmm. um, so that the doctor can talk to them. And while I do think that's appropriate to an extent because they are talking about things that, you know, the mom may have questions about. Yes, I would want to bring that child back into the room and kind of talk about it and debrief in their terms, but they may ask me to sit with that child when I have three other kids on the table or when there's a CT simulation. So it's setting those boundaries and realizing that, like, yes, this is important, but yes, I also have, you know, other kids that I'm here with. Mm -hmm. Um, So kind of working with that. Mm-hmm. can get tricky. Um, I have had parents, jokingly, I'd assume, but, um, you know, get, quote-unquote, again, upset that I can't be friends with them on Facebook or, you know, that I can't meet them out after work. Um, and it's just setting those boundaries. And then, and then also, in my mind, say, okay, what led to that point? Like, did I reflecting on my conversations that I've had with them um, to, you know, constantly reflecting, did I say something that made them, you know, think that we could be Facebook friends? Um, So that's also a good opportunity for reflection for myself as well. Mm. That's a really good point, Aileen, Mm -hmm. of like this idea that we really need to be reflecting and Mm -hmm. very mindful of our actions too to yes. make sure that we're setting the foundation for a professional relationship. Right. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing about boundaries. Yes. I really appreciate it and I appreciate your commitment to that as a child life specialist. Definitely. I think it's so important that we have people like you that we all honestly maintain that but I think especially someone like you you strike me as someone that's very convicted in maintaining those which is amazing mm-hmm. and I think it, yes. it's a testament to then how your work flourishes because of it so thank you. Thank you sure. Allie. Thanks for having me. Yes. <laughs> and we have to do one last thing though before we're done. Well we have to. Yes. Would you like to do the rapid five? Let's do it. Okay. Five questions, five brief answers. Okay. Number one what is the most difficult thing to say no to as a child life specialist? I also like to title this, what is your kryptonite? Like the thing that you're just, oh man, that's tough to say no to. I think for me it's staying. I mean, mm. talking about boundaries, I, I, it's so hard for me to say no to stay when, you know, I know I need to leave, but there are still kids that need to be seen. Um, so I think that's my kryptonite. Which is a good boundary to work on. Yeah, girl. That's a really good one. There's such a difference between, oh, wow, she really goes above and beyond Mm -hmm. versus she really needs to leave when she's supposed to leave. Yes. (laughs) What about number two, something or someone that makes your day? Um, I would say every single one of these kids every day. That they come in here just being themselves, accepting everyone, even though they're going through proton radiation cancer treatments Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i'm sure something that really impacts you in so many ways Mm -hmm. number three what is one fun fact about child life aileen it's the oh oh about me yeah oh (laughs) i thought you were asking like about child life what is one fact what is one fact fun fact about me yes Child um, life elite. <laughs> I'm obsessed with investigation discovery. Ooh. I love weird, like, mystery. So, like, yes. No way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could not last five minutes with something like that, but that is awesome for you. Thank you for sharing that yes. fun fact. Number four. 
four, what is your favorite paint color kids use to leave their handprint on the wall at Proton once they finish their treatment? If I had to pick one hard and fast color, metallic blue. Ooh, can't go wrong with metallic blue. Just shows up so well on that wall. Yeah, oh, I bet. <laughs> and number five, what is one piece of advice to remember when setting boundaries? I would say to trust your gut. If it feels like you're crossing a boundary, it's probably because you are. And I would take a hard and fast reflection on that. Just trust it. Trust your gut. Yep. Mm -hmm. Very, very true. I remember one of the questions I ask is, would I feel comfortable telling my supervisor about this? Mm. If the answer is no, then probably something That's is a good point. A misstep. So mm -hmm. really good advice. Yes. Thank you so much, Aileen. Thanks, Allie. And thank you so much <laughs> to our listeners for tuning in to the Child Life Cooperative. If you have time, you should just stop right now and rate and review this podcast. The more ratings that we get, the more easily it is to find on iTunes. So we'd greatly appreciate it. And in the meantime, may we all press into the mission of the Child Life Cooperative by learning through reflection, uniting for support, and equipping students to advance the child life profession. Thank you guys so much, and we will see you soon.